Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933. Online at mypremierortho.com. Welcome to Noon Edition. Uh, we've got a, a special show for you today. We're going to be talking with people from the Bleeding Heartland Roller Derbies. Uh, roller Derby. Roller Girls. Roller Girls. Sorry, I've already <laughs> messed it up. I'm too excited about this show. Uh, and I am, for a few more minutes, I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with uh, my co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael, who's going to be changing her name soon, too. And we're here with... Uh, Three guests today. Tyler Ferguson, who's a veteran skater, uh, also goes by the name of Kaka Caliente. And Chris Lynch is with us. He's the coach, the league coach, the bench coach for the Blooming, uh, for the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls, uh, the Flatliners team of the Roller Girls. And he goes by, well, he is also Lord Satan. And Michelle Melhouse is here, special sass. She's a first year skater with uh, the team. So you can join us today. <laughs> join us. That would be Eddie Torum, a new one, right. and my co-host, Scary Catherine Scarmichael. Yeah. And you can join us today <laughs> on uh, Noon Edition by going to uh, – t- you can go to uh, Noon Edition uh, on, yes. online. Right. right? 812-855-0811 is our phone number and one eight seven seven two eight five. WFIU, if you want to join us on the phone. All right. This is going to be kind of a wild show, I'm afraid. <laughs> Not afraid. We're happy about that. So we're, we're, Mary Catherine has been pumping this show for a long time, and I found out the reason why today. Yeah. Because it's fun and cool? No, because Tyler had oh, trapped you. In, oh, uh, yeah, that's true. There's store. that. Yeah, that's, there's that, too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, roller derby is something I remember from my childhood. I used to watch the... Black and white on WTTV. Yeah, Channel the Bay Area 4. Bombers. Wasn't mm-hmm. that the, the big correct. team? And who was the star, the blonde well, it was Joni bombshell? Weston. Joni Weston. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 She was something. Everybody remembers Joni Weston. Uh, I remember Joni Weston. <laughs> right. was, she, was she the good one? I mean, she was like... Uh, the star. She was tough. I know that. She was blonde. Of course she was the good one. Yeah, but there were a lot of evil people who <laughs> participated in, in roller derby way back then. Yeah, they really spun it that way. They kind of yeah. they kind of spun this it was good and bad. Type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was. it was like a wrestling vibe. For, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but this right. is not quite like that, right? No, no. no, no. Okay. No. The All game right. has changed in the early 2000s, and um, there's, a, it's a, there's a legitimate rule set that keeps all of the players and skaters safe. And uh, there's, there's no more wrestling or no more fake moves. It's a, it's a real game just like, just like any other sport. Mm-hmm. So no more going over the – you know, I, I can just picture those people flying over the, the rail. How long have the, has, has your team been in existence? Our team was founded in um, 2006. Well, actually, it was a combination of teams. It was some Indianapolis skaters and some Bloomington skaters, and they formed a team called Crossroads Roller Derby. And it was one of the first 50 teams in the United States. And uh, with some travel concerns and so forth, the two teams split off and became the Naptown Roller Girls, which just recently went to the national championships, and the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls. Okay. And then, so how did, how, but how did the whole thing get started? Was this a national trend that you guys plugged into, or how did that start? Coach? <laughs> Come on, Coach. <laughs> Wait, and, and when he gets done answering this, we'll have him explain his name, too. Okay. But go ahead. Sure. Um, I mean, it was... 2003, the uh, Texas Roller Girls became the first flat track roller derby team. Um, you had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, being pushed over the edge. That's yeah. bank track, which does still exist uh-huh. and is actually growing uh, as well as flat track. Um, it's a little more difficult because you have to build a bank track. Right. Yeah, and you yeah. can't exactly move it from location to location like you can just tape and a rope. Um, but over the next year, six more teams popped up. Um, Arizona, California, New York, North Carolina, and Washington. Um, and five of the first seven flat track teams um, became early supporters of Bleeding Heartland and starting up. Um, that was uh, Texas, uh, Tucson, Seattle, 
Seattle and Carolina. Yeah, um, North Carolina, yeah. Okay, so why? Tyler, why did you get involved? Well, um, I got involved because I love team sports. My entire life I've been involved in teams, and I had sort of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say aged out of, but just sort of the availability for the previous teams that I played on no longer existed. And about the time when I thought, well, you know, my life of team sports is over, I see an advertisement. Actually, I saw a show on A&E about the Texas team that Chris mentioned, um, and they they did a documentary about the show. And and, and for a split second, I thought – maybe I could move to Texas for six months out of the year and play in this league. I mean, it, the thought actually crossed my mind. And then, I, of course, I realized it was ridiculous. And then six months later, I saw an ad for a team in Bloomington. And it, it, it when I realized how much time it would take to skate on the team, how many nights a week we met, I thought, well, this, you know, this really probably isn't for me. I don't want to give up my other sports. Uh, and then I started training with the team, and I just fell in love with the fitness and fell in love with having skates on, and um, I abandoned all my other sports, and I dedicate everything to skating now. Had you really? been a skater before? I know you were a soccer player and right. a soccer coach here in Bloomington. So right, right. Were you um, a skater before? No. I, I mean, just like most – a lot of people who play derby, I skated at the rink in junior mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I spent most of the time at the pinball machine, actually, so <laughs> probably didn't skate as much as my At my least you weren't out back smoking cigarettes, so, you know, you got that going for you. Yeah. Well, Michelle, you are a first-year skater, so mm-hmm. what drew you to Derby? Um, I'd heard about Derby for a little while, but I never really thought I could actually do it. Um, so I had a friend that did it, and she told me about the skills camps that they put on. Um, and so we just went to the rink, and then after that skills camp, they actually were having a boot camp for five more weeks. And so I just decided, well, I'll give it a shot for five weeks and see what happens. And mm-hmm. It spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> what was Taking boot camp like? Boot camp was fun. It was intense. Um, it was three days a week. Um, and, you know, just practice, practice. We did a lot of on skates and off skates, you know, just fitness and skills. And at the end of the boot camp, we had to pass our minimum skills tests and um, to be able to be moved into the league. So and we had a big scrimmage, and it was, it was awesome. What are some minimum skills that you have to have? Um, stopping, being able to work in a pack, um, just being able to skate safely, essentially. Well, let's, let, we need to, I need to know some rules. So uh, I'm going to go to Chris Lynch, uh, Lord Satan, and you, he's the coach of the team, right? So yep. explain to me, you know, what, what, what are the rules? I mean, I, again, I, I and probably a lot of people who have seen this on television, some of, some people in our audience have gone to see you, I'm sure, but oh, some yeah. people remember from way back when you know, people whipping around the the banked track this is a on flat a flat track and you know how many how many people are on the track at a time and what are some of the rules sure um well to explain the rules would probably take up the entire yeah, hour okay. we don't want to do that <laughs> um, but uh i can tell you you have g- to pass people for points right yes, so, yes. okay uh, you have to lap them actually not okay. just pass them oh really so, okay um but if you do want the full rule set you can go to wftda.com forward slash rules mm-hmm. uh i believe it's we're up to 42 pages of rules right oh my now <laughs> yeah oh my just gosh. read those for the rest of the show yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah there are four blockers from each team on the track and then one jammer the jammer is the skater that scores points mm-hmm. on each team um and uh to start off you have a single whistle that gets the blockers going and then uh, once they pass what we call the pivot line there's a double whistle and the jammers are on their initial pass so they have to get out of that initial pass um and then start lapping skaters to start scoring points and then there there are so there are two teams so four and four so eight blockers total Mm -hmm. and then the two jammers Mm -hmm. okay all right so what are Tyler, what do you play? Are you a blocker or a jammer? Um, I'm tic- I typically play jammer. That's been uh-huh. my position for most of the five years that I've been playing. Although I really like blocking, I think you have to be. I think you have to be really smart to block. And which I think in the past, as how about a jammer, to be a jammer? You have to be smart to. Well, I think you can get by. Not, <laughs> I can get by. I, you know, you, when you jam, sometimes you just go. Mm-hmm. And um, our, but I mean, our team has evolved into an incredibly, incredibly smart team. And um, I really like what it takes to be a blocker. I like all of the scenarios and all the offenses and defenses that we run. And I appreciate that. And I like to get in and try to play that position. But but typically my role is jamming. Yes. So do you have plays like a football team? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little more difficult than a football team because, as you know, you have defensive line and offensive line, and defense plays defense, offense right. plays offense, but uh, all, all the blockers are playing everything. Um, and so we, depending on the play, dedicate who's doing what. Okay, so the, the first whistle blows. You guys are all on the line. They're the, the eight blockers, the two jammers. You're on the line. Do the jammers start behind? The 30 blockers? feet behind, yeah. Okay, 30 well, thir- I should explain 30 feet behind the pivot line. The pivot line. The okay. trend lately is to have the blockers line up right in front of the jammers. Okay, all right. Okay. It's been an interesting evolution because when I started playing derby, the blockers were way up and, you know, 20 feet ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So when the whistle blew, it was always. For me personally, it was this context, contest against the jammer next to me to, to get off the line first and enter the pack first. Mm-hmm. But now the blockers start on top of you, and when the whistle blows to release the jammers, it's like a rugby scrum. I mean, you, you just, you're immediately in the back of people, and they're just hammering on you right away. And it's just a completely different skill. There's, it's, it's, the game has evolved to just become a lot different. Yeah, I could see. So you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to figure out a different way to do it. I can, again, I'm thinking if you're starting way behind, then you, you know, you sort of can pick your spots. You can see what might be going on in front of you. But if right. you're starting right behind everybody. Holy yeah, you cow. used to be able to get mm-hmm. some speed up and kind of make your move in the turn or coming out of the turn. And now when the whistle blows, you, you're, you're at a dead standstill and you're just leaning up against people up and your toe stops pushing, trying to push your way through. Yeah. Yeah. So the whistle blows, you start going. Is there a – do you go – do you start to try to get by people right away or do you go for, uh, you know, a lap or two and then some strategy evolves? Uh, if you wait a lap or two, you've waited too long. Uh, <laughs> no, it's immediate. Yeah, everything in Derby is immediate. So. Uh-huh. so one of the things that happens is the first time those jammers are getting through the pack, um, what they're trying to do is establish who is the lead jammer. Um, and so it's it's essentially the jammer to come out of the pack first, penalty-free. And um, that jammer is awarded lead jammer status. And that then factors into the uh, strategy of the game. I mean, that that's a essential component because then that jammer possesses the ability to look at her jam ref and stop that jam from continuing whenever she wants. Once she's been awarded lead jammer, she can stop it. And the reason you'd want to stop it is because both jammers can score. So what you're trying to do is create a differential. Right. So what you so like a four to nothing score is better than a six to five score because of the differential. So that jammer hopefully can get in and score her four points, look at her jam ref, call off the jam, thus keeping the other jammer from scoring. Or if the other jammer, if she falls down and the other jammer gets out ahead, she can just look at the ref and call it off and not give that other jammer the advantage. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to follow all this. So, so you, you have successfully gotten your way through the pack. You started to go, you, you've you sped up now. So you're going around to try to, and, and then you have to get, you have to lap them. So you have to go all the way around and then get through them again, right? Yes. Okay. And as you're getting through them that second time, that's when you can that's begin you to score. score you're in scoring position. And then do you put your hands on your hips to that's, stop? Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> that's, that's Joni good. Weston used to do that. Yeah. I remember that. That was her job. Okay. So it sounds like it would be rough still. I mean, I mean, even though it's not like you used to see on TV, but it's seems like it would still be a little rough. You could get yourself kind of hurt, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of injuries. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a full-contact sport. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a physical game, and it's a full-contact sport, just like hockey is, right? But there mm-hmm. are rules in hockey. I mean, you can't you can't elbow somebody in the temple. Right. That, that would be unsafe. And it's can't the same, get, at least you can't get caught. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I guess hockey's kind of weird because they let people fight. But in yeah. our game, I mean, if you hit somebody above the shoulders in the head, that would be an illegal hit. Or if you mm-hmm. trip somebody, just like you can't trip people in other yeah. games, that's, that's illegal. So there are things to keep the skaters safe, but there, there's also a tremendous amount of contact. If you want to go to the Noon Edition website, there's a photo up, uh, and you can look on the photo. People are pretty well padded. You've got, you're wearing helmets, you've got uh, elbow pads, uh, knee pads. Uh, so it looks like you're fairly well protected. I wouldn't want to fall on a hip or something, though. That wouldn't feel too good, and I'm sure that that happens. Is there, uh, so you do make a conscious effort to um, you know, have body contact and, and get other people out of the way forcibly. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that's part of the deal. Well, you want all the pads you can get under yeah. those circumstances. Yeah, we're required um, before each game. The referees come around and check all our gear. We have to have a helmet, a mouth guard, oh, yeah. uh, elbow pads, knee pads, and wrist guards. Um, 
Yeah. And so, we have to make sure our skates and toe stops are insecure and everything. All right. We're talking about roller derby today. I was so excited when we started the program, introducing the guests and getting to say my new name and Mary Catherine's new name. That uh, I forgot we were going to play something. That's from, scary uh, from, to from, you. From, from, <laughs> scary. <laughs> scary, Catherine. From uh, last weekend, right? Saturday night? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, home Julie, opener. Julie Raw was there for the home opener, and she filed this report. Bloomington, it is my pleasure and privilege to introduce to you for the first time this season at home, your 2012 Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls Flatliners! I knew from, I, I believe it was back in the 70s, they used to have roller derby on television, but it was nothing like this. This is, this is really a, a sport. Wow, that was a scrappy scrum at the uh, start of that jam with number 27, Tara DeBitz, on the line for the Flatliners. My derby name is Moulin Bruce. We are actually roller girls. We play for the Diesel Dolls in Columbus, Indiana. It is very hard. I mean, you are skating as hard as you can and then getting hit and falling down and getting back up. It's, it's hard. <laughs> very hard. Yeah, I come home with bruises all the time. <laughs> And Velcro scrapes. Yeah, it's awesome. My skate name's Nitty Gritty. Retired skaters, what they call us. I do accounting for a living. I have three kids. Um, it's a sport that there's a lot of different people from all walks of life. So I'm just one one part of it. My friend, my dear friend, wanted to do it, and so I said, "Sure, I'll try it." And I didn't know that I was going to fall in love with the sport. So it was kind of an accident. Five more points picked up by Liquor Bottom right there. This jam comes to a close, as does the bout. And Ohio emerges victorious with a score of 110 to 90. What an amazing night of roller derby in Bloomington, folks. All right, that was a little color from last Saturday night's opener between uh, Ohio and the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls. That, that would be the, the, the Flatliners, right? So did all three of the teams play? You have three teams. Uh, just two. Just the two. Code Blue Assassins, the B team, and then the Charter team, the Flatliners. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's the third team? Uh, the Poison Ivies. That's our newly formed C team. Yeah. The Poison Ivies. Mm-hmm. All right. Ivy. It's, yeah. Ivy. Oh, 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 medical. Oh, Ivies. Okay. okay. All right. Great. So, how many home games will you have this season? So we'll have. Um, we've had our first game already, and right. then we'll have four more games. We have uh, March thirty first is our next game against Grand Raggedy. April 28th, we'll play Bruce City. June 9th, we play Atlanta. And June 30th, we're cooking up um, we're cooking up something special for June 30th. Typically, the last game of the season, we, we have fun. We wear costumes. We theme the bout. Uh, we might be getting some men's derby involved on the 30th. We, we don't quite have that pinned out yet. And when you and I bumped into each other at the grocery when store. I we pinned were you against the bulk food session. <laughs> That's right. My um, you were telling me you guys are on the road a lot. I was shocked at all the travel that you do. Let's talk about that. You mentioned you were going to be going to St. Louis soon. Yes. Um, our next bout is in Pittsburgh. It's next weekend. And so we're traveling to Pittsburgh for that. Uh, in May 5th, we go to St. Louis to play the Arch Rival Roller Girls. Um, oh, that's good. Arch Rival. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you like wordplay, <laughs> Derby is, is filled with it. Uh, in April, we're going to Yonkers, New York. Mm-hmm. To play, um, we picked up a game there. Suburbia. Suburbia, and we hope to. We all have our fingers and toes crossed. We hope to scrimmage our idols in roller derby, which is the Gotham Roller Girls. They are the uh, current national champions. So we're trying to um, to set that scrimmage up for ourselves. Wow. So, yeah. so how how does this work in terms of league play and and things of that nature? Are you in a league with all these other teams you're playing, or? League is defined, I'll let you elaborate on this, but league is defined differently in roller derby than it is in any other sport. Yeah, there there are a lot of things that roller derby does a little differently. (laughs) um, Yeah, Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls is technically our league. Oh, I see. Um, And uh, we don't have home teams. We just have the the three, well, now three travel teams. Um, But other leagues, uh, such as the arch rivals, they have home teams. So they have their travel teams that we would play, but then they have teams that just play each other um, in St. Louis. And then we are part of the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, which is our, you know, Major League Baseball, NBA, that sort of thing. Okay. And how many teams are in the Women's Flat Flat Track Derby Association? 
Um, there's 147 full leagues um, and then 67 apprentice leagues, and that means they're working their way towards full status and can be able to host bouts so you, soon. So you could play – you could go to any of those 147 147- – Leagues and play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well, I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> okay. So now when you're in Bloomington, you play at the Twin Lakes Sports Complex, right? That's correct. Okay. That's and then do you practice say. at an uh, actual roller rink or where do you do your practicing? Also at Twin Lakes? We used to practice at Twin Lakes. We actually used to practice there and at a gymnasium in Ellettsville. But recently we obtained our own private practice facility. We've had that for about two years now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really made a big difference in how we're able to train and how we're able to use our time. And it's that combined with a lot of other really important things um, have have contributed to our success and our rise in the rankings. So when you travel, uh, do you play in similar kinds of locations uh, or is it just all over the place? Tell me about what that's like. I'm curious. It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when we scrimmage people in other warehouses or in – you know, roller rinks or in full stadiums, and they played the Windy City um, B team in the UIC Pavilion. UIC Pavilion in Chicago last fall. So right, when we played no. when we played Naptown, we played at the uh, Indiana the Pepsi Coliseum at the oh Indiana, fun yeah, and fun. you know there were like four thousand people there. I mean, it was it was it was pretty amazing. Well, that was what I wanted to ask about next: the crowds. Um, again, if you go to the website, you can see the photo, and people are stacked on top of each other to watch you. Um, I don't know how many, uh, well, if you can tell me vaguely or approximately rather, um, how many people come to about typically here in Bloomington. And then what also, again, what it's like on the road, how, I mean, 4,000 people, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Saturday we had a little over 700 people total, I think. Wow. Um, Which is, that's a good number for us. Um, It's not our highest, but it's close. Um, And that's that's a opening game so yeah. who knows what the rest of the season could bring so clearly this is building but go ahead what's it like on the road then uh it's all over i mean sometimes we'll get to it it, it just depends on the league we're playing how established they are um we'll have crowds of like i think the smallest is probably around 450 500 um, yeah you can play in a roller rink where there's not a tremendous amount of seating but everybody's on top of each other so the 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 feeling that you get there just this this full feeling and the noise yeah. and the announcers and the music or I can remember when we played Hard Knocks, we played in that big kind of convention center. And even though there were probably several hundred people there, there were so many other seats that weren't full that it, you didn't, and they weren't right on top of you on the track. So And where was that? That was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, Hard Knocks. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Have to, they have to crack the code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But there are, there are other leagues who pull in four to 6,000 consistently at every bout. So. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's, that's, they have bigger facilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Bigger metropolitan areas, yeah, yeah bringing yeah. in more people. Wow. Well, we're having a special noon edition today with our, our friends from the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls. And uh, we're talking about roller derby. And we're going to get to some discussion about the naming of uh, players and teams and whatnot in the second half of the show. We're going to talk more. I know I have lots more questions Me about, too. about the, the quality of uh, you know, athleticism that has to go on mm-hmm. and about – you know, I know that, that there's so much uh, – It's it seems to me to be sort of a combination of, of um, athlete, athletics and some theater and drama that goes on because of the names and everything else. People are just having a good time. So we're going to talk about a lot of things after the break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, information at smithville.net, and from Premier Ortho, online at mypremierortho.com. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Gary Catherine Scarmichael today. <laughs> and we're talking with uh, folks from the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls in Bloomington. Tyler Ferguson, a.k.a. Kaka Caliente, is here. She's a veteran skater, has been with the, the club for quite a long time, since the beginning, right? Oh, I joined Almost the second year. Five so, years, so yeah. five years. Uh, Chris Lynch, Lord Satan, is the league coach, the bench coach for the Blooming Heartland Roller Girls Flatliners, and Michelle Melhouse is also known as Special Sass. She's a first-year skater, and she's with uh, the Code Blue Assassins, who are part of the Roller Girls. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 or wfiu.org slash noon edition is the web address if you want to go to the uh, website to join a discussion on this. Are there teams in this part of the state? Columbus, Indiana? Yeah, right. there are teams all over the state. Right. And because uh, we have listeners, How many are there? So that was one of the questions that came in mm-hmm. online. Somebody wants to know how many teams there are in Indiana. I think there are about 14, wouldn't you say? Sounds about right. Most of them started up within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. But Evansville has two leagues. We yep. talked about what mm-hmm. a league is. So Evansville mm-hmm. has two leagues. Uh, Indianapolis has two leagues. There's a very established league in Fort Wayne, of course, Bloomington, and then Lafayette, Richmond, Columbus, and South Bend are all cities that have recently uh, popped up teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we've talked about, uh, you know, I've joked about watching Joni Weston way back when, when I was a, a kid. And, and there, I, it seems to me that there weren't names like Caca Caliente on those teams. So can you talk about this, um, the, the whole naming thing? Because the names are really funny and really clever. And as Tyler said, you know, if you like wordplay, oh, this is... This is great fun. So, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, when I came in, I just my friends helped me pick a name. Um, Thirty, mm-hmm. I, I picked my number first, so thirty-eight special. You know, thirty-eight gun, special gun okay. caliber. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. They're just really fun. There's a website um, where we all have to go to check our names to see. Um, it's twoevils.org. Is that right? Yeah, twoevils.org. And um, so no. Two roller girls in the whole country have the same name in the whole world have well, the same name. So. I mean, I, I remember when when you start when the team started, or maybe it was a year after you got started. Sarah Moore from our paper went and did a big feature, and she came back and was talking about all these names. And I, there was one that's still on your team, Hell No Kitty. I think yeah. still on your team. <laughs> yes. There's one that's stuck in my brain. And I, when I was looking at the website today, you know, Aceta Menison is one mm. of the players, and <laughs> Felony Charges, and Kinzu Slice, and I mean, you know, they're just oftentimes, amazing names. So. Oftentimes, too, people, the number will be significant, too. Mm-hmm. Like, felony charges, her number is 481. Well, that's a police code for a hit and run. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of subtlety in this. Yeah, yeah. Lord Satan. Yeah, and we need to get the men in on this because, it, uh, okay, so you're obviously you're the coach, and so you've got your name, but we need to, you need to explain the, the meaning behind your name, and then the significant others of, of some of the players. Sure, yeah. Um, and that goes back to when I first started, which was whew, five years ago now, I think. Um, and that was just as support. So, uh, And support staff originally tended to be male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was called the meat department. And so most of the meat department took on meat names, such as sirloin or haggis or... Um, ballpark know. Frank. Ballpark Frank. Yeah, there's, there's Hambone. A, yeah, there's. You, we can. I mean, we can go on all day. I'll, st- I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a vegetarian. But, uh, yes, I, I'm vegan. Actually. Vegan. Okay. And so uh, the a friend got me involved. She was starting to skate, and uh, she's also vegan. And so we're like, well, you have to have a meat department name, but it has to be obviously it has to be vegan. So we went over. Uh, I, I think it took us maybe 20 minutes, <laughs> and we're just yeah. like, well, Lord, Lord Satan, it is. So, <laughs> Bravo. Well done. <laughs> Well, and, and then, the, I mean, the team names, too. I mean, there, there's definitely a darkness to this whole thing <laughs> with the, the team names. So, Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, a lightness and darkness combined <laughs> well, somehow. I, it, it's, it's definitely theme-based. I mean, it's, it's back to the wordplay. So, you know, we talked about the hard knocks roller girls come from Knoxville, Tennessee, or, you know, that you're definitely drawing on your surroundings. The arch rival roller girls are from St. Louis where the arch is. 
And the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls, which I believe Charmed and Dangerous's mom came up with that. Charmed name. and Dangerous. Charmed and Dangerous, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I, I believe she's the one that came up with the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls. So we kept this whole kind of hospital theme. So that's why we're the Flatliners, the Code Blue Assassins, the Poison IVs. So, okay. yeah, we, and we have a, a heart as our theme. So, yeah, we're... Just keep it all together. Oh, I love a theme. This just makes my little heart go pity pat. Well, we've had several comments come in online, so let's get to some of these. Um, this is a great question. What is your favorite or most memorable moment in your derby career? Um, I, I have to go back to uh, the first time we beat Fort Wayne, yeah. to be honest. Uh, in the course of a year, and that, I think that was just a, a pivotal part in our league like, it showed how much hard work we had done. In the course of a year, we went from them beating us by 101 points. Ouch. Um, and then being ranked, uh, what, four or five spots above us. And so being another Indiana team, we kind of focused on, you know, this is the team that we, we have to beat. This is the team we have to beat. And so we narrowed the gap a little bit the next time we played them. And then uh, when we beat them by five points, coming back from a 50-point loss. Deficit at halftime. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you would have thought we'd won the national championships. You can there's actually footage of it online. Like the entire team comes together and you know just like screaming and hugging and yelling and it was it was just an exciting moment to see that the hard work paid off. And then we turned around two weeks later and beat him again at home just to prove that it wasn't a fluke. Okay, all right. Cool. Special sass. What's your? Well, I'm, this is my first year, so I haven't played many bouts yet. But so far, my favorite was last Saturday because we came from behind. To win 108 to 102, um, it was the second, no third. It was a, just a couple jams. There was only like less than two minutes left, I think, and we were behind by 20 points. And all it took was one jam and scored 15 points. And now, who's the jammer on the Code Blue Assassins? Um, we have several. several um, a seat of medicine. A seat of medicine. One okay. of them. My, um, one of my favorite names. Dirt Diggler. Dirt Diggler. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And Dairy Aaron. And Dairy Aaron. Dairy Aaron. Yeah, I saw and, her uh, on the. And uh, make them hurl. Make him hurl. Make him hurl. Yeah. May Kim. May, May Kim, Kim hurl. hurl. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Father, <laughs> most memorable, favorite, favorite, most memorable, as opposed to horrible, most memorable. Okay, favorite, most memorable. I, you know, the Fort Wayne one was was pretty exciting for me. That was a tough game for me. I had taken a really big hit in the first half of that game and was just didn't wasn't myself the rest of the game. Um, but you know, team wise, that was pretty exciting. There was um, a time we were playing in Rosie when we were down by 10. We were playing the Roller roller Girls of Southern Indiana, Rosie, and we were down by 10, and um, it was the last jam of the game, and I was able, or my team was able to hold back the other jammer and give me the opportunity to score, and we stole that game from them, and it felt really good to to win that game and take it. You talked about a really pivotal moment um, for the team. This might be an interesting time to talk about that, Mm -hmm, too. mm We played the Naptown Roller Girls in 2009, and um, they were ranked quite a bit higher than we were, but they gave us the opportunity to play them at their facility at the Pepsi Coliseum. And, you know, we lost by over 100 points, and you'd think that might be a devastating loss, but the entire time that that game was going on, we were just, you know, the light bulbs were going off in our heads, and we were seeing what they were doing, and we were experiencing Mm -hmm. what really intelligent pack players play like, and... I believe that was the time when we, we came together, and even though we lost by over 100, we came together, a few of us, and said, wow, I, you know, I, I know now I know what to do. Prior to that, our training was really technical training. How well can we stop and turn around, and maybe how well can two people defend together? But that was the team that really showed us how four pack players on a track control the pack and make us do exactly what they mm-hmm. want us to do. And I call that the dawn of tactical awareness for us. And that's mm-hmm. when we got serious about getting a full-time coach. Um, at the time, Lord Satan was a referee for the league. Um, and we knew if we really wanted to move forward and get serious about this, that we needed a, a dedicated coach. At, prior to that, we were managing ourselves mm-hmm. on the bench. So you can imagine what it's like to try to go in and play, but then also analyze what's happening out mm-hmm. there and choose you know, who's being effective and who's mm-hmm. not. It, it's just mm-hmm. too much to do in a, in a game. So... Um, he became our dedicated coach, and then we spent that next season really working on our defense. We spent an entire year perfecting our defense, and, and we became good at defending, and we, mm-hmm. we did better because of it. So you learned how to play smarter and not harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Well, I also think that, that about, um, in Naptown, that's a good example of how roller derby is 
I mean, yeah, there's a lot of competition. It's a competitive sport, mm-hmm. a very competitive sport, um, and you're out to win. But at the same time, it's about building the sport as a whole because this is a grassroots sport. There's no, like, you know, millionaire, billionaire donors who are making this happen. It's the skaters that make it happen. And so after that bout, Naptown was kind enough to help us develop by sending the bout footage. So we spent, coaches spent a lot of time analyzing that bout footage to figure out even more exactly what was going on. So, uh, you know, Naptown helped us develop as well. Okay. So is that, oh, sorry, Bob. That's okay. I just want to give our phone number. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick. Okay, 855-0811. We want to bring other people in on the conversation. If you want to join us, we're having a great time, but we'd like to have you involved too. Uh, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, wfiu.org slash noon edition. So is that something you do now? You um, Do you tape the, well, record, it's not tape anymore, but record the bouts and then analyze the, the bouts afterwards? Yeah, yeah. We record everything now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is, you guys are getting pretty sophisticated about this. Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, we take our training very seriously. We train three times a week, and um, for the charter team, that's three hours each one of those times. And then most of us also do work outside of our practice time. So we're either lifting or, you know, doing some other type of work to keep ourselves fit and in shape. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, we do, um, you know, we study our bout footage, our athletics committee, which consists of um, a lot of skaters. They talk about our strategies. We have other league coaches, too, that are skaters, uh, Shock and Roll and Doc Doc Noose. They also run our practices and are part of a committee that that thinks about what it is we need to do to, you know, what area we need to improve, what skill set we need to work on. I'm going to ask you to address this because there's this um, sort of disconnect for me that's it's actually coming together. I've learned a great deal on the show. But, you know, you you go to the website, you see the photos of all the, the women who are on the team, all these really funny names, funny poses, you know, women who are, are doing different things. But then you we sit down and we talk to you and you talk about the seriousness mm-hmm. and the, the becoming, you know, much more tactical and, you know, recording everything and looking it over and trying to be – the best you can be and there's sort of this you know on one hand it on the very surface of it it looks like it's just it's fun it's entertainment it's kind of kind of jokey and on the other hand you're being very serious about it so how do you sort of make those two things work together um i i think in many ways roller derby is a metaphor for life and i think in as a whole uh it, it you can work to be the best, to be better than you were the day before, to be competitive, to win. But you can't take it too seriously. Because if you take it too seriously, especially in something where no one here gets paid for it, it's mm-hmm. all volunteer. And mm-hmm. so if it's not fun, why do it? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I want to quote from your press release because you're talking about the money thing. Keeping Bloomington Heartland Roller Girls rolling also requires cold, hard cash and hot, cheesy pizza. That's <laughs> kind of says it all in my mind. Okay. Yeah. We have a caller. Let's go to Doug. Doug's calling in from Lions. Hi, Doug. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not much. Hi, Doug. Hi. I've missed most of your program, but uh, when I tuned it in, I was intrigued because I was able to ice skate. I have never been able to roller skate or rollerblade, so you all have my admiration and respect. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) You know, you can take skating lessons at uh, Western Skateland. They have adult lessons on Saturday mornings if you'd like to try. It's not too late. With my right knee, why would I? <laughs> um, but I just wanted to ask you guys: um, Have you ever seen the two movies? One, and this is going to date myself. One was called um, Kansas City Bomber, mm-hmm. and the other one was uh, Rollerball. Yes. Yeah, I think it'd be hard pressed to find a roller girl that hasn't seen any movie that has to do with roller derby or, yeah. or skating. It's just kind of one of those things you get so consumed and passionate over this thing you're doing that you're working to get your hands on on anything you can. Now, if I remember right, Kansas City Bomber was Raquel Welch. That's yeah. right, right. Yeah, and right. Rollerball was that the one? On James Con. Oh, James Con. And what? then they made a remake of it with Keanu Reeves, where they <laughs> they involved was motorcycles. That and Ellen Page was in something. Recently. That was Whip It. Whip That's it. the okay. most recent one, right? All right. All right. Wait, they made a remake. that's what they call public radio look what you learn it's fabulous (laughs) yeah it was actually just on channel four the other night um keanu reeves is in it all right well listen thanks for the recommendation i will (laughs) (laughs) all right Good afternoon. All right, Thanks, Doug. For Thanks for the call. There are a lot of other movies out there. Brutal Beauty, Hell on Wheels. What's the one with the Portland Roller Girls team with the voodoo donut scene? 
Uh, but there's a lot of documentaries out there yeah. that follow different teams and, and follow the follow the game as it was evolving. There's the Hell some, on Wheels one talks about the bank track team in Texas that um, kind of started it all. There's just so many there's so many sound bites out of this. The voodoo <laughs> donut scene. And we'll yeah. just we're going on to something that else. That alone so. makes me want to see the movie. Well, here's another comment that came in online. It says, it sounds like roller derby is more athletic than back in the 70s. Do you think it will start to be covered by more mainstream sports reporters or appear in the sports sections of newspapers? Or do you think the history of the, the theatricality from the 1970s will hinder your ability to be recognized as a legitimate sport? I think that's a stigma that all roller derby teams are trying to fight is the is what people think of in the 70s and we I think if you if you even look at the evolution of our team the the, the uniforms the way we dress um, our bout posters I, we have evolved into a more polished um, athletic team look and sort of gotten away a little bit from the theatrical theatrics just just in an effort to try to convince people that we are a legitimate legitimate sports team i think the one thing that you're going to have to overcome this is speaking as a newspaper editor is it's really hard to you know we have all sorts of sort of basics about anonymity you know <laughs> so you know running an entire sports story about um you know caca caliente and super sass and you know i mean it, that's going to be a hard a hard one to sell to like mm-hmm. traditional media. Now right. there may be, you know, there's all sorts of new media that's coming on that might be where you find your niche. But right. all right, we've got a lot of callers now. We've really <laughs> we've piqued some interest here. And and I know Jenna was the she's the one who was on uh, first. So Jenna from Harrisburg, Jenna. Yes. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I'm really excited to have to be listening to this program because I'm such a huge fan of the Roller Girls. Um, and one thing I've really enjoyed about about this team in particular is that it embraces lots of different lots of different ways of performing gender and it's really empowering for lots of women of different different types of gender identities and that's been really neat for me and I've, I've also been wondering um, I know that the uh, governing league the governing board WIFTA has recently passed a new gender policy that has some in my opinion fairly strict guidelines on who is allowed to skate. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on that policy and what that'll do to the local league or roller derby in general. Chris? Yeah, we definitely have opinions on that. Um, When the Women's Flat Track Derby Association was voting on their gender policy, which came out because of the Olympics, Mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah, the Olympic gender policy, uh, it came down to two proposals, and one of those proposals was called the Bleeding Heartland Proposal. Um, and ours was definitely a little more fluid as far as w- how gender was defined and uh, the definition of women. Um, and we are we're we're not happy with the the policy that was passed. But you know it's it's the policy, and we'll continue to work and change more minds. And you know policies change. That's what was the policy that passed versus the policy that you had proposed. Toronto. The. the was it or Montreal? Montreal. Montreal. Uh, the Montreal proposal um, was. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong too. But uh, basically, you have to be living as a woman for a certain amount of time. I believe it's over a year. You have to be on hormones for a certain amount of time. And doctors. Uh, doctors. Yeah. And so um, there was there was just a lot more requirements on the uh, the, the medical side of it. Okay. So. All right. Hey, Jenna. Thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to go on to Richard from Bloomington. Richard? Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan and have attended a number of matches, attended most of the matches last year and uh, the last match this year. And uh, do you guys offer season tickets? Yes, we do. Yes, they do. <laughs> you can. You can get season tickets. I just wanted, I've been buying a single. I just wanted to know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And two, two is uh, on your play, one thing I noticed, particularly this last one, which was about as slowed down a play as <laughs> I've seen on any of your matches, uh, was that when our three, when our pack people mainly drift to the back when the other team's jammer is out and coming around. I noticed that the other team watched our jammer as she was coming around and were well aware of where she was pretty much the entire time she was on the track. And our folks 
seldom actually looked around for their jammer, and their jammer would, like, come out of the blue by our people before they were even seemingly aware of her, which I thought uh, it was an odd situation <laughs> to me because as a, as a defender, that's the person that scores the points. That's the person you have to know where they're at, especially when you're at the back of the pack. Sure, and uh, yeah, and definitely, and that's something that we work on. Uh, Saturday was not—I'd say it wasn't our best. Um, certainly wasn't our worst, but uh, it was. Ohio's a good team. They're a very smart team. They play well together, and they skate fast. And it was a little faster than I think we'd been used to in our preseason, um, and so it it caught us off guard a little bit, and our communication broke down. So that's why I think we lost the jammer a little bit more than we should have. I think, too, we were taking a defensive shape there in the power jam situation. The defensive oh, right. shape that we were taking, we were pretty f- – it, it's a very new shape for us. I think it's the first time we've – this only the second game we've played that shape. So I think we were pretty oh, okay. focused on keeping the shape – and so we were looking forward to make sure that, that we were doing it properly. And, and the next step now is we've got the shape down. Now we've got to look backwards while we're maintaining that shape. Well, I really enjoyed the sport. And I mean, I've been a fan since I was a little kid, and I'm almost 60. Uh, watching it back on the w- on Channel 4 when it used to be on there, although that was a flat track. But uh, I, a lot of fun, a lot of people. I urge everybody to come out and watch. It's, it's a great time. All right, Richard. Thanks. Thank you so much for your support. unsolicited testimonial. Thank you. <laughs> and, Richard, you can get season passes at Rolling Thunder Fun Factory. That's a skate shop on West 17th Street uh, close to the skate rink. Or you can go online at our website, bleedingheartlandrollergirls.com, and contact um, ticket sales or info, contact info there, and we can get you a pass that way. Okay, we're going to go right to Steve on the phone. Steve? Hi. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Hi, I'm a big fan of the Roller Girls, and I, I was wondering, you mentioned movies earlier. Uh, can you tell me something about a movie you girls were involved with, Eight Wheels of Death? All right. It looks like Tyler <laughs> Big can. smiles all around. I don't know. They're trying to decide who's going to answer this. Uh, yeah. Well, we're all pretty proud of that. One of the really neat things about being involved in this roller derby family is we have this extended family that Chris mentioned, our meat department. And we have really talented people that work with us. We have... Um, one of our announcers, um, Richard Smack, uh, he does poetry locally. Sirloin uh, produces videos, Ecstatic. Um, it does some sound projects. He works with IU and IU Sports. So there are all these talented people, and, and it's hard to have a really talented people that enjoy one another's company and not come up with more fun ideas. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we did is um, Tony wrote the script, and Chris and Ecstatic um, uh, produced a movie called Eight Wheels of Death. And as far as we know, it is the first roller derby zombie romantic comedy <laughs> to ever be made. But it's great. We showed it, we premiered it at the Buzz Chum uh, on Halloween right after we finished it. And uh, of course, it's an underground cult classic now with zombie <laughs> lovers and, and skaters alike. That gentleman called and asked about, you know, movies that uh-huh. we'd seen. Well, there's a lot of roller girls now that have seen Eight Wheels of Death. And, and where do you, how, how can others see Eight Wheels of Death? There our copies at Rolling Thunder Fun Factory or we sell them at our merch table at, at our bouts. You can pick up a copy for only $10. Well, Locally I, produced film. And I believe it might be showing at the IU Cinema in early May. Oh. It's not definite, but it's a good possibility. Oh, great. Well, that's the best place to see it live. And that's you can come really dressed cool. as your favorite skater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Steve, thanks a lot for the call. Now we have we have Sarah next. Sarah? Uh, hi. Hey, Sarah. Go ahead. Hey, um, so I guess my question is, what, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the roller derby. What are the goals or plans for becoming competitive with some of the really high-level teams in the area, teams like Chicago uh, and Naptown? I mean, is it, even, is it even a reasonable goal to think that maybe our team could be competitive with them, um, considering that we're drawing from such a smaller population base here in Bloomington? Uh, I'd say it's not a question of if we'll beat them, it's when we'll beat them. Um, we're a competitive team. We train hard, and every year we train harder and harder. And if we're not going to try and be the best, then why are we here? So, uh, yeah, I mean, our, our goals are this year to get to regionals and next the goal is to get to championships. And if you're going to get to championships and not try and win, then what's the point? <laughs> you know, we scrimmaged Cincinnati, which has been a perennially, perennially ranked team, and came out – quite well in that scrimmage. So I think we're showing ourselves this year that we can play with the, with the big teams from the big cities. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your call, Sarah. 
Yeah. Thank you. All right, Sarah. You know what? I, I t- I'm, I'm noticing from everybody who calls in, people have so much ownership in your team. It's amazing. I mean, clearly, this is a beloved institution already in this short period of time here in Bloomington. To what do you attribute that? Well, you know, Chris mentioned earlier that it's a, it's a grass, roller derby is a grassroots effort. And I think, too, I mean, we're a locally owned and operated business. And all roller derby teams are. Um, they're skater owned and operated. So the, the amount of uh, time and energy it takes to put into running this business, mm-hmm. you know, you've got 50 skaters who are required to do work. Uh, to, it's called their committee work. Um, we're required to do citizen, citizen, citizenship points. We uh, raise money. We've raised over $2,000 this year for local charities. So we're out in the public raising money under the guise of, of roller derby. So we shop locally. Because of us, there was a skate shop that was able to open up in town. Um, so we're invested in our community. I think we demonstrate that with our charity work. And, you know, we have to print bout posters. And, you know, and, and so we support local businesses. Mm-hmm. And in and, and that way, we touch a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I also wanted to say... Uh, we may train and play like professional athletes, but um, we're not. We're, we work in this community. Mm-hmm. We volunteer in this community. Like, all of us are very much a part of Bloomington. Bloomington's very much a part of us. So, Okay, great. We had a quick follow-up question uh, com- that came in online uh, talking about the gender policy. They say, uh, if the, the Bleeding Heart Roller Girls is, supposed, is opposed to the WFTDA gender policy, then why aren't they protesting like the Philly Roller Girls are? I'm not sure how Philly Roller Girls are protesting. Yeah, they're still involved. They went to the Nationals this year. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So we're uh, about out of time, but I just want to give you the opportunity. When's your next bout? And uh, when, where, and how much? The details. My next bout is March 31st. Um, Doors are at 5 at the TLRC. TLRC, Um, Twin Lakes Lakes Rec Center. Center. We like Um, to call it the Twin Lakes Roller Coliseum. (laughs) Is what um, our announcers call it. Um, First bout's at 6. The next one's immediately after, usually around 7.15, You can get tickets in advance for $10 at Blooming Foods, Rolling Thunder Fun Factory, The Skate Shop that we mentioned, um, Vintage Phoenix Comics, Sunrise Box Office, or at brownpapertickets.com. And if you want to know more, they have a great website that uh, Chris, Lord Satan, has put together. It's a great website. I went there this morning. Lots of great information on there. I want to thank uh, our guests today from the Bleeding Heartland Roller Girls, Tyler Ferguson, a.k.a. Kaka Caliente, Chris Lynch, Coach the Coach, Lord Satan, and Michelle Melhouse, Special Sass. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. For Gary, Catherine, Scarmichael, producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw. We didn't come up with names for them yet. And engineer engineer Mike Pashkash on Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933, online at mypremierortho.com.